fellow DJs, and thanks for tuning in to episode 6 of our Crypto Weekly Review, where we highlight and analyze the past week's macro environment factors that impact crypto and teach you how to do it yourself while doing so. We hope that you look forward to these episodes every Monday so you can listen to them on your spare time, like on the drive to work, on the shower, or while having breakfast to start off your week filled with brain juice needed to evaluate the crypto space yourself. It'll be like listening to your friend ranting about what's happened last week on the market and have fun while listening. As usual, we'll start off the week with a quick peek at the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. Let's summarize what this indicator is about first, for the new readers, or if you didn't know already. This index uses social signals and market trends to determine the overall sentiment of the crypto market based on Bitcoin and other large cryptocurrencies. It's called an index because it takes multiple data sources and combines them into a single figure. The index is divided into the following four categories. A score between 0 and 24 is extreme fear, or it's orange. 25 to 49 is fear, which is amber slash yellow. 50 to 74 is greed, which is light green. And 75 to 100 is extreme greed, which is very green. The whole explanation behind using the fear and greed index to determine the market sentiment goes well beyond the scope of this podcast, but as a general rule of thumb, I'll let you in on some tips. The lower the score is, the least people are willing to invest in the market, and the more selling occurs in general. The higher the score is, the more people want to invest, and more buying occurs. So, I suggest you do some further research on your own into this index, but for now, this information will suffice. And an extremely simplified rule of investing while using this indicator as one single data point is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Or as the DGENs like to say, buy the dip. Thanks Warren Buffett. So now that you understand the scoring between the fear and greed index, I can now say that this week's score is 47 as of recording. Last week's score was 30 and last month's score was 15. So you can safely assume more and more people have been willing to buy this month compared to the last month. And just to make this a bit more real, tell me that you haven't been less worried about checking the charts this week, DGEN. Right, so let's talk about what we'll be covering this week. The weekly crypto numbers, Ripple likes Celsius, Coinbase and BlackRock, the CPI and inflation reports, and a Bitcoin analysis. But first, let's go over the weekly crypto numbers. Bitcoin is up 5.8%, Ethereum 16.60%, and Crow 5.95%. Now let me tell you guys, that felt good to read. Now on to the first heading, Ripple looking at lending a hand to Celsius. You remember Celsius, right? Well, this clip might jog your memory. I declare bankruptcy! You gotta love Michael. So let's go into the news. A Ripple spokesperson told Reuters that the company is interested in learning about Celsius and its assets and whether any could be relevant to our business. Celsius has not commented publicly on the matter, nor is it clear if Ripple is in talks with Celsius. 
On August 5th, Ripple's attorneys filed a document that allowed the company to participate in Celsius bankruptcy hearing. And here's the explanation of the bullet points just listed. On August 10th, Reuters, a San Francisco-based blockchain payments firm Ripple's Labs Inc., which is embroiled with a high-profile battle with US security regulators, is interested in buying assets from bankrupt crypto lender Celsius Network, according to the company's spokesman. The spokesman said, We are interested in learning about Celsius and its assets, and whether any could be relevant to our business. And Ripple is actively looking for opportunities to carry out mergers and acquisitions that will strategically scale the company. The spokesman did not clarify whether Ripple would consider a full takeover of Celsius. Additionally, the spokesperson did not specify whether Ripple is in talks with Celsius. Celsius itself has not commented publicly on the matter. Ripple's attorney filed three motions to participate in Celsius bankruptcy, proceeding on August 5th. However, these filings do not indicate why Ripple was involved in the case or if their involvement is related to the takeover plans. Reuters says Ripple is not a major creditor to Celsius. It's unclear if Celsius would agree to such a deal. Funny enough, Nexo proposed a similar deal to Celsius in June but was turned down. It looks like Celsius do not want any help in the matter. On next, Coinbase's deal with BlackRock. This is an interesting company. Most people might have never heard of it, but yet this company is literally owning the world. Most US banks are controlled by BankRock. They own all the major pharmaceutical companies, mainstream media, and oversee over 10% of all stocks traded worldwide, all of which has allowed them to amass over $10 trillion in assets and are now looking to partner with Coinbase to create new access points for institutional crypto investing. A tweet from Coinbase. We are proud to announce a partnership with BlackRock. BlackRock's Aladdin clients will now have direct access to crypto markets through Coinbase Prime. End quote. You can read more about BlackRock's and Coinbase partnership over in their Twitter. So let's explain this a bit further. Users of BlackRock's institutional investment management platform, Aladdin, get access to crypto trading, custody, prime brokerage, and reporting capabilities when they also sign up for Coinbase Prime. The service is specifically designed for businesses such as hedge funds, wealth managers, and financial institutions and corporate finance. More than 13,000 customers use Coinbase Prime. BlackRock's global head of strategic ecosystem partnership, Joseph Chalum, commented, this connectivity with Aladdin will allow clients to manage their Bitcoin exposure directly in their existing portfolio management and trading flow works for a whole portfolio view of risk across asset classes. End quote. Recently, Coinbase has had a string of regulatory conflicts. Last month, the US government arrested a former Coinbase supervisor on allegations of insider trading. The former manager has since pleaded not guilty. Meanwhile, the US Securities and Exchange Commission is likewise reportedly searching into whether or not Coinbase allowed customers to change unregistered securities, which bring us to the next point. Coinbase earnings are not so good. Coinbase investors are feeling the pain. After the company reported earnings and revenue below expectations on Tuesday, August 9th, the company saw its revenue decline 64% year over year. 
it lowered its full-year forecast for transacting users and continues to make headcount on other expenses cuts. Coinbase said that quarter two was a test of durability for crypto companies and a challenging quarter overall. And Coinbase shares were down nearly 10% on Tuesday ahead of the report, but fell another 5% on the after-hours market. What do you think about the future of Coinbase? Will they survive this crypto winter? Up next, the CPI and inflation report. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, folks. The latest inflation and CPI data have come in, and I believe the financial markets are overreacting. I don't see the mainstream media talking about the few big problems with this data. This section will explain the differences between the PCE, which the Federal Reserve tracks, and the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, we all measure inflation by. What I want to teach today is not to take the big news media outlets reports as your main source of information and to always question whether things are overhyped or underreported. So let's go over the CPI numbers. Over the last 12 months, the items in the index increased 8.5% before seasonal adjustment. You might have noticed that financial markets reacted positively. This is due to the inflation results being lower than anticipated at 8.7% and the price index being unchanged for 0%. Which goes to show that even when we are at hyperinflation, lower hyperinflation seems to rule people's minds. But things are still not all sunshine and rainbows. CPI results are averages over averages. Fuel, airfare and used cars went down in price, but housing and food went up. I don't know about you, but I pay for food and shelter a lot more often than I pay for airfare and used cars. I'm going to dig deeper into some specific figures that make up the CPI, but for the podcast listeners, I'll read out all the month over month categories. The CPI monthly price changes track, cereal and bakery products, non-alcoholic beverages, electricity, dairy and related products, motor vehicle maintenance and repairs, motor vehicle insurance, food away from home, rent of primary residence, meat, poultry, fish and eggs, new vehicles, medical care commodities, shelter, hospital services, fruit and vegetables, all items excluding food and energy, used cars and trucks, alcoholic beverages, tobacco and smoking products, physician services, apparel, piped utility gas service, gasoline, airline fares, and fuel oil. It's quite a lot to track, isn't it? But I'm only gonna go over food, rent and shelter, and energy figures. So, with food, we have cereal bakery products plus non-alcoholic beverages up 2%, dairy products up 2%, food away from home 0.7% up, meat, poultry, fish and eggs up 0.6%, and fruit and veg up 0.4%, which on averages means that food still went up 1.14% over the month. If you analyze that, food has gotten more expensive by 13.68%, not looking good. Next, rent and shelter. Rent of primary residence up 0.7% month over month. Shelter, which is homes by the way, is up 0.6% month over month. Note that the rent and shelters are lagging numbers. Housing transactions take a long time to close and landlords often raise rents when leases are up for renewal. Research shows that the national average for rent is up 12.4% year over year. This means that the national average for rent is also up over 1.03% month over month, 
which is way higher than the reported number of 0.7%. And note that the more expensive homes get, the more rent they are going to be charging across the board. The medium home is 13.7% more expensive than last year in the US and close to 30% more than two years ago. Future home prices should be pretty volatile as these overinflated prices start coming down thanks to mortgage rate increases lowering demand. The 0.6% average for homes might look good on paper, but it's not a reliable number when some prices are up 5% and others are down 5% as an example. Now, finally, energy. The final number we'll assess are energy prices, and oh my, these look great for this month. Piped utility gas services are down 0.9%, gasoline of all types is down 7.7%, airline fares are down 9.6%, and fuel oil is down 11%. This is very good news, or is it? But let me just be real for a second here. This kind of looks like I'll be able to afford to take a drive to McDonald's and not worry about spending more money on gas than food. Oh wait, McDonald's increased their burger prices too. Never mind. Anyways, historically, natural gas, gasoline and fuel oil are all volatile assets. We all hope that the gasoline prices keep making new lows, but we could also see these numbers come in higher than expected next month, just like they were lower than expected this month. So now onto the reason why we're going over food, shelter and energy prices. This is because the PCE or Personal Consumption Expenditures Report is the number that the Fed tries to keep under 2%, not the CPI. So what are the differences? PCE places a lower weight on food, shelter, and energy. So let's clarify something here. Historically, the PCE and the PCI have usually been within about 1.5% of each other, but the gap between them is now at an all-time high of 1.95%. This difference can keep going up over time, which means two things. First, if the Fed reaches their goal of 2% PCE inflation today, us consumers would still be feeling 4% inflation as measured by the CPI, which is still well above the historical average. This ultimately means that inflation is in fact not transitory. So all numbers have been analysed. But what does this all mean? We're going to be watching how big the gap between the CPI and the PCE will get. The bigger it gets, the more likely inflation is here to stay, even if the Fed hits their 2% PCE number targets, which is a long-term bad approach. The smaller this gap gets, the better, but only if it shrinks without the Feds having to ramp up the interest rates increases even more. Otherwise, that's short-term bad as well. And now, on to the last segment of the week. Mango's BTC analysis. My favorite time of the week. All the numbers are in, so now we can analyze how it's going to impact the market in the future going forward. So, with the CPI and inflation reports mentioned, personally, I'd be waiting to make any long-term investments or trades. The latest rally looks tempting, but we may be in for some big surprises when the Federal Reserve meets again at the end of September. Last week, I summarized a pattern that emerged throughout this rally but it isn't actually that reason of a formation since the bottom of the rally was around about $18,000 and as of writing, BTC is at above $24,000.
if you want to learn how to spot this pattern and the technicalities of such formations, check out last week's podcast, or even better, the article version, because personally speaking, it's easy to explain charts when they are shown in front of you. The charts that I draw are long-term plays, which don't unfold for a few weeks or even months, which is what I'm trying to get into your head, DJs. Just in case that you're driving, or maybe you're busy right now, I'll read out the last week's report. If prices make a sustained break below the channel and below $20,000, it could increase the downside risk significantly, as long as the price of Bitcoin stay above the 21 moving average and is within the channel, then bulls are now in control, which by the way, is what's occurring right now. I highly suggest that you check out last week's Bitcoin analysis. There's not much to update on this week, DGENTS, I'm sorry, but take into what I said into consideration, do your own research, and hopefully you'll make it to the other side without having to worry about checking your screen every single second of the day. And that concludes this week's episode, DGENTS. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are a growing community with a shared motivation to help retail traders and crypto investors. If you have any questions or suggestions for us, please, we invite you to join the Discord and give us your thoughts. Thank you so much and we'll see you again next week, DGENTS. Peace out.